Welcome to Journey on My Mind, a podcast produced by Journey Church. Our mission is to provide practical guidance for navigating the complexities of modern life by combining psychological principles with biblical counseling. Join us on this path where we explore the meaning point of science and faith and offer insights to help you on your journey. Welcome to another Journey on My Mind. I'm here now with uh, Sam and Dave, and and uh, we are in the middle of summer. Yep. And, and it is hot. Yeah. Like stupid hot. Like we live in a dog's mouth. Hot, Oof, right? That, like, that's what, like that's like what it feels a thousand like. thousand degrees. While I have wet, a dog on my yep, lap. That's true. Yes. And it is, <laughs> it is part of living in Tennessee, um, and it is part of the... Uh, challenges but also blessings of living in tennessee because this the winters here are glorious um <laughs> compared to where i grew yeah, up yeah for yes. sure and uh so uh let's just you know what's one of your favorite summer memories sam oh, dave okay what what do you got all right well i'll share this i'll make this one quick so um okay. every summer from i think i was 12 when i started but we would do something this was it, in indiana this is in indiana by okay. the way which indiana. all we have is corn and beans and cows that's yes. pretty much indiana so yeah um tipa tip a cow yeah yeah i've got some good stories yeah um but so we would do something we we would the summer job for kids was detasseling corn which that may sound weird and crazy if you've never heard of it but essentially what you're doing is you're walking individual rows of corn and you're pulling out the tassel so um so basically the they can't it can't fertilize Uh in the field so you're um so uh, we would do that, and you'd you'd literally be there at like four in the morning, and it was freezing cold, and you'd wear a trash bag so you wouldn't get soaked <laughs> down. The, and then by about eleven a.m., you're dying of heat because it's about a thousand degrees. So, um, but there was a couple kids on our crew who this was when I was a little older. I was a crew chief. I had worked my way up the ladder. Wow, yeah. Sam, you so, were a crew yeah, chief. Yeah, yeah. Oh my! Congratulations. Then I moved into de. Did you get paid more? De- oh yeah, yeah, uh, I got paid more. Okay. And then I moved into deroguing, which is a whole nother uh, type. Uh, yeah, that's of, a different um, story. Yeah. So anyway, but with uh, that's so scary. I had there was these couple kids who were, um, let's just say they were. Uh, uh, not easy to deal with rambunctious okay. yeah rambunctious i like that dave and so um we had these porta potties <laughs> that were up on trailers that they would drag to the field and yeah um so uh i wasn't looking um and and uh the couple the kid went one of those kids went in the porta john and another bunch of the kids just shoved the thing off of oh, the trailer oh, so that sounds like i had a little splaining to do yeah um, i bet and there but, was a, a shower involved. yeah no, uh, a lot of them after that yeah yeah <laughs> for everybody for everyone yeah uh-huh. yeah uh, that's funny so, yeah and then i was deroguing next year they moved me off of that team wow, i don't know, i don't understand yeah, supervisor but, sam yeah, hmm. <laughs> so there you go there was a summer job story derogue 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 the story that comes to mind, I don't know if it'll play or not. Okay. I don't think I've said it in a, like a podcast setting before, but, um, I grew up in Virginia (laughs) beach. And, uh, if you grew up in Virginia beach, if you want to go to the beach Mm -hmm. and by the way, my brother still lives there and hasn't been to the beach in years, like just lives, you know, with miles from it, a couple miles and has just, so if you, but if you like the beach, you either go down to the higher numbered, uh, streets okay. you know the 70s and 80s where there's no tourists okay oh, people yeah. don't know uh, that's that. the secret mm. right that's the secret Write or that you down. go or you go to the outer banks 
And that's ah, what we would do. Yeah, we'd go Outer to the Banks. Outer Banks, hour and a half away, whatever. Nice. And me and my friend Randy went to the Outer Banks and we went into this um, this shop that had movie props and movie. Was this in Duck? This, uh, maybe. I can't Kitty, remember. But it was Kitty Hawk? somewhere in Kitty Hawk, oh, and somewhere around there. And I think it's because they, they would shoot movies down there yeah. and then they would take some of the stuff and, and uh, buy it and then resell it. Yeah. Sure. And so we bought these hats that were oh, a made up name of a security company. <laughs> and it was from the movie. I think it was uh, Outlander maybe. Oh like yeah. A space yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. And it had like such and such security, that whatever. Awesome. <laughs> and at night on the beach, you were not allowed to have fires or fire pits. Right. But all the college students down there did it would anyway. do it yeah. and they'd keep an eye out for yeah. cops that would patrol. So Randy and I put our hats on and we'd walk down there and we'd see people looking at us like, what's going to happen? We'd approach them and we'd say, hey, we'd use a fake name. Uh, just tell them that uh, Bill Kelly from such and such, such security, security inspected your fire yeah. and it's approved. And then we'd walk to the next one. So I just love the idea fantastic. that when the cops actually did show up, they were like in this hey, argument about, yeah, hey, hey, the security guys was approved, approved it. Yeah. Fire fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why that came to mind. Is that, is that really the hat? Funny. That would look like Does that fun. look like Hold it? Hold it over here. Let's see. Sam's, Sam's more interested in yes. the hat. Yes, the federal. Story. I think it is federal security There agency. it is. We found the hat. There you go. I think that's it. That's, that's really funny. So. Yeah. Summer, summer for me in northern Minnesota was really short. Um, and so I have, I have very few stories about hot summers Yeah, growing up, but, uh, what we would do when I got old enough, we were, um, the lakes, when the ice went off the lakes in August, it's usually in May. Okay. Um, sometimes you'd get lucky it'd be April or, and sometimes it would be June. Like, it, wow. I mean, there were times when it was just stupid. Um, and, uh, so what you want to be is the first person water skiing when the ice comes off the lake. <laughs> when the ice comes you do off. want to be you, yeah that seems it's kind of a dangerous. Is it like a rite of passage or something? It's, like, it's just something we did. You just want to do. Uh -huh. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So this year we um we had a boat and we got out there really early. And the water was wicked cold. Like, <laughs> well, the ice just melted. Yes, kind of. it was wicked cold. <laughs> and uh, so it was the year I was gonna learn how to snap start off of the off the sand because I wasn't getting in that water. Okay. And um, <laughs> what a dumb idea! Yeah. I don't See, remember. I'm, I was like thirteen. Oh, you know, my brother's driving the boat, and and I'm standing there in ankle deep water, one ski on. He goes. He pulled me right out of that ski oh, and skipped me God. across the water. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> and the water was so cold. I remember coming out of the water going, I'm never going to have kids. I'm never going to. It's over. <laughs> it's Game over. over. I'm ruined. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> but it, was a, it wasn't wild. very hot that day. Yeah, no. it, it was the water a, was it, real it cold. Was really, it might have been above forty degrees. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my dumb idea. That's outrageous. But makes sense. The next time I got it, I don't. That's that's <laughs> brutal. Would never do that. Uh -uh. You know that same trip I was telling you about the the fire thing. <laughs> yeah. I just remembered this. This is crazy. But I was in the water snorkeling in the Outer Banks, <laughs> and I was just maybe 30, 40 feet of water. And all of a sudden, underneath me turned totally dark, uh -uh. completely. 
Yeah. And oh, I just felt I've seen this all movie. the blood I, I, out of my head. Too, and it, it not good. scared <laughs> the poop out of me. And yeah. it was a giant ray, like oh, a mana ray. Huge, yes. Like oh. probably a 20 ish foot wingspan wow it was right uh, probably three feet under my my feet no no it was crazy we we had something like that we we were snorkeling it me and my brother-in-law in in jamaica and and the water was a little murky and so we're we're like in jamaica yeah (laughs) we're like chest deep and all of a sudden our feet go out from well we had stepped on top of a ray yes and it took off and Uh, we're but i i have not beelined up to a beach that quick i did not know i i didn't i don't didn't see anything till i hit the sand i was like you peed a little there was just a trail Yeah. yeah hey it's warm behind there guys watch out <laughs> Tides will take care of this. It's fine. <laughs> Fish poop in the water too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't. Um, I didn't see the ocean until I was uh, an adult. Yeah, I was. I was too. I was in college. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I grew. I I literally grew up right. two blocks yeah. from the beach. That's I, amazing. We, we would yep. walk barefoot to the beach. Yeah. On, the, in North Carolina? No, this was in the, Virginia Beach. Oh, Virginia Beach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We yeah. would. I mean the. The beach was the end of my road. Okay. Oh, if that's you, awesome. If you drove to the end of my road, it was the beach. Yeah. That's so, amazing. Uh, the end of my road yeah. was not the beach. Yeah. yeah. The end of my road was a freaking cornfield. <laughs> the end of my road. And, and what's uh, wild is it, it wasn't, you know, a super a funeral home. upper class. Like it wasn't a rich neighborhood. It was like a yeah, regular middle normal. class neighborhood, but yeah. it was, I don't think that could happen now. But no Literally way. like you could walk, kids could walk from our house that's amazing. Down the road, yeah. be on the beach in a few minutes. Right. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah that's but cool. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. But I will tell you, as I've gotten up in age, I don't like the like sticky heat anymore. Yeah. It just, yeah. It just nope. takes it out of you. Yeah, I'm with you. Yep. I'm not a fan of Mm-mm. humidity. Mm-mm. I'm also not a fan of growing up or being in Minnesota in August and needing a light jacket because it's so cold. Right. Yeah. So both of those things can be true at the same time. Yeah, I was in a pool in Minnesota in August mm-hmm. and it was Freezing cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you would go swimming and you would stay in the water because the water was warmer than the air. <laughs> <laughs> and when you get out, I mean you, That's when you freeze. <gasps> yeah. No. It was it was bad. So anyway, all that to say, now you know us all a little well, bit yeah. better. There's our and summers. I, I'm sure you got some <laughs> summer heat stories out there. But um we we recently did a um a sermon, uh kinda, Dave and I on a Sunday morning here at Journey and we're not sure when this one's going to play, but uh, we got a lot of questions and we were really thankful for those questions because it helps us be able to clarify this uh, journey on my mind, get more clarity, help help talk about things mm-hmm. that are just more helpful for the audience. Well, and, if people want to hear that, mm-hmm. it was July the 2nd yes. was the service. So yeah. journeytn.com, yeah. go to messages and it's on July and, the 2nd. And we message. wanted to take this, this podcast yeah. and just kind of wrestle with a couple of the questions that we got that day. And, um, and that was, it was largely a, a, um, discussion between Dave and myself and the people that were there, mm-hmm. uh, about how faith and, and psychology are not in competition. They are actually, um, beneficial for each other and we can, we can learn from each other and also it just helps people. And, and with that we had, um, I'm, I'm going to just lob a couple questions out here we can kind of wrestle with them mm-hmm. dave if you have one in particular you want to start with we can start with one um yeah i flagged about four or five and so yeah. i think all the questions are good i responded to 
as many as I could in, in yeah. writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think having some public discussion of them is, yeah. is also good. Yeah, and Sam responded to a few. I know yeah. Susie did, and I responded to just one because mm-hmm. uh, I took a day off. <laughs> and yeah, you all pretty, jumped on it. And I was like, good. hey, this is great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Share the so load. Here's, I'll just start with this one, and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump to one of yours. Okay. It says, um, I want to ask a question on the effects of long long term emotional abuse or of belittlement a disregard uh for one's person and not being heard and the journey to overcome this form of abuse and how this is viewed in the mental health sphere or atmosphere is that uh is that something so this it's kind of directed at you dave because you uh sam and i deal with this on, I do at least on some regular basis in the spiritual realm, but because yeah. it's also you could put in there spiritual abuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is it, a, is it called something in the arena of psychology? No, I think what he called it is right. Emotional abuse. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's what I'd say. Um, we know that abuse of any kind, physical, sexual, uh, emotional, uh, spiritual can have, wide-ranging effects on people it affects almost every area of their life it affects their thinking their emotions their relationships their capacity to trust uh, things like that now everybody has a different um effect of like it's not a one-size-fits-all yeah two kids could could experience um the same kind of physical abuse for example and be affected in very different ways Mm -hmm. For a whole lot of reasons okay. but emotional abuse is definitely a form of abuse when it is in fact abuse okay right so uh, i will say um there is this kind of movement and this is going to sound contradictory so hang with me for a second <laughs> okay. there's this movement to talk about trauma and abuse in such a broad way that it really diminishes yeah. true mm-hmm. abuse yeah. yes right yeah. so yep everything is a trauma that is inconvenient or that is difficult yeah. Or abuse is um, arguments and conflict, mm-hmm. and sometimes those are just what they are, right? Yeah, and they're not abuse. But when someone is literally doing you harm, yeah, uh, whether it's physically, sexually, spiritually, emotionally, um, it it has profound implications mm-hmm. on um, your capacity for trust, your sense of safety, intimacy, your sense of competence. And things like that. So how we regard it is we take it very seriously. Yeah. We also make sure that what we're talking about is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. Words, yeah. Because sometimes people will claim, and again, I'm not saying this to invalidate anybody. Right. But sometimes people will talk in terms of all my trauma. And when I say, well, tell me what that is, what they're describing as trauma might have been unpleasant or mm-hmm. or not good, but mm-hmm. not to the level what that would would be uh, traumatizing trauma. in the same way or abuse in the same way that, you know, some people yeah. are in relationships that are um, highly conflictual and mm-hmm. there's a lot of disagreements and there's a lot of negative things. It might not rise to the level of abuse, but it might. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And there is a good amount of abuse that happens in relationships and in interpersonal relationships. For so sure. when that's the case, it's kind of a meat grinder that really affects people and what I would encourage people to do is seek out some kind of support. First, first line of defense can be pastoral care yeah. and just to kind of talk it through, mm-hmm. see what's what, see how they're coping. Yeah. Um, and then if it needs another level, I would, the, the phrase we talked about on the, the Sunday when we were all yeah. uh, talking about this was 
um, either empirically based treatment or evidence based treatment. Those mm-hmm. are the we, you want something that is known to work mm-hmm. if you're going right. to see a counselor yeah. or therapist. Right. Just talking about it, just yeah. processing it by itself may have some benefit, but yeah. you want someone who knows, for example, cognitive processing therapy right. or trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. or EMDR or things that are specific trauma treatments that have that track record. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So in the in the idea of emotional abuse or any of these abuses, um, do you find yourself having to, like we, you and I, Sam, usually mm-hmm. address it through boundaries or helping people right. establish yeah. some kind of personal, like this is, this is violating something in me. Once I realized it was violating something in me, yeah. I had to do something different. Because a lot of this comes about from people that we're in relationship with. Right. We have their friends or their family or their parents or their siblings or their, mm-hmm. you know, so then, so then there's that internal conflict that, that plays out of, yeah, but they're my parents. I don't want to mm-hmm. just stiff arm them. Well, you want to get better. I mean, there's mm-hmm. all of those things at play. Is that is that your, um, like, is boundaries part of this description, or is it just sometimes part? It of can that? be, yeah. Okay. Especially if it's a an active relationship, or could be an active relationship. It's like what what do you allow into your life and relationship? Right. And again, hear me say this: that all these things are held in some kind of tension with each other. That yeah, you're you're only hearing one side of a story. And the trick as a therapist or as a pastoral counselor <laughs> yes. is to hit this sweet spot where you're not invalidating something, but you're also aware that you're hearing one side of right. the story. Right. And and that's a tricky thing. It is. Because you you know, someone might come in and describe this sort of horrific situation that were you to talk with the other person, yeah. it might sound like the roles are reversed. Right. And that often happens. I feel like that's very common. Right. Yeah. In very common. In yeah. And so there's yeah. always kind of the pull to kind of co-opt you into yeah. their whoever side. got there first right. or yeah. Their, yeah. their side. Yeah. And yet the reality is abuse does exist in relationships. People yeah. are experiencing the effects of these things. It's just, there's no way around it other than it is a finesse job. It is a, just a tricky balance of wanting to hear somebody wanting to validate but also yeah. knowing that often what you're hearing is from a perspective that may have more nuance to it. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes not. Sometimes it's super obvious that it's like, yeah. oh yeah, this that's awful. Yeah. Right. But um, yeah. I, I will tell you, uh, even among professional counselors and therapists, it's easy for someone to see things through the eyes of the mm-hmm. the person only yeah. and not, and not contemplate that maybe I don't have a full, full picture or maybe yeah. that they're telling me this honestly from their perspective, but they don't have mm-hmm. kind of an objective right. perspective. Right. So don't hear that leaning in either direction. I'm, I'm not trying to invalid say that when people come talk to us or yeah, yeah, you, know, yeah, you guys yeah. that yeah. No. we're in our head thinking you're, you're, not, you're, you're lying, you're lying or, yeah, right. or this not true. That's not what we're thinking. No, but, but it's a healthy balance. In right. And it. you got to get the full breadth of the story. Right. right. And that's the hard part sometimes. Well, I have a question for you with that, Dave. Yeah. So when some say one part of a couple comes in and is sitting with you 
how do you kind of balance one part of a couple? Well, one half of the couple, right? <laughs> a married couple, yeah, whatever. whatever. Okay, I got it. Um, okay. So, <laughs> like, you know, and uh, so if it's just one of them that's coming in to talk with you, how do you balance that with what they're what they're wanting to talk about? Um, obviously, you don't have the other voice in the room, and so mm-hmm. do you have a do you limit kind of how you allow that conversation to to go? Possibly. Okay. Because it depends on what role you're in. Okay. If you see your role as helping the relationship, then you would not help the relationship by just seeing one person. Right. Right. If you see your role as being the support and advocate for this person, then sure. That. And and that happens a lot where people might be in a relationship that's going south, having a hard time. Maybe there are claims of abuse or claims of gaslighting and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's okay for one person to have their therapist and another person to have their therapist. Yeah. As long as the therapist is wise and understanding, there's probably more going on here. Right. Yeah. Right. And so my job is to advocate and to and to um, help this person get as healthy as they can be. I'm their person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, like, that's not really couples therapy. Right. That's a different thing. That's right. not, you know. <laughs> and... Here, here's the thing that happens sometimes with pastoral staff. It happens a lot with professional counselors and therapists mm-hmm. is that let's say a, a marriage goes south mm-hmm. and you've been talking to one spouse or the other. Right. And then there are issues of custody or things like that. Right. And they want you to mm-hmm. write a letter or testify on their behalf right. or say positive things. We'd all be very unwise to do that. Right. Yeah. We avoid that. Yeah. We've, you have yep. to because... Yeah. The truth is not because you don't believe the person or want to help yeah. them, but you you're you are not privy to all the information. That's right. Right. And and that's why we say get an objective evaluator who's yeah. gonna talk to both parties, who's gonna meet with the kids, who's right. gonna like that's why we have those people is because they're coming at it not representing one side or the other. Right. Yeah. If you've been meeting with somebody and they have a position um that you're you're hearing then you don't know all of it. That's right. Mm-hmm. You don't. Even if they're right, mostly. Right. You don't. Yeah. And and so that that's uh, to be very honest, uh, professional therapists fall into that yeah. trap a lot, sure. or or more than they should. Yeah. Well, I think that's yeah, yeah. that's very helpful because I, that question comes up often outside of just from oh, a, from sure. a pastoral yeah. or a counsel, like just how do I help my friend or yeah. like, what does that yeah. look like? So that, thank yeah. you. That's helpful. I just yeah. explain it as it is. Yeah. I don't, uh, there's no gaminess to it. I'm just yeah. like, yeah. here's the thing. I care about you. I want good things for you. I want to help you, but mm-hmm. I don't have all the, the information and yeah. the whole story. And that will not be something that will help you because it will be seen as just from your perspective right yeah. right and there's no way around that yeah yep. and so i want to stay in the role where i can be your person but i i can't be pulled into this yeah this kind of dispute yeah that's okay. good that's good okay let's kind of transition to the next one and yeah you want to throw one out there dave yeah there are a couple in here that i i, I really like i'm going to go to the question i like the most okay let's <laughs> my, my favorite child among okay the all right here we go <laughs> yeah, they're actually all really really good but i i as far as this is the one I asked. I'm totally joking. Signed yeah. Sam B. <laughs> it's like Casey. There's yeah. a letter from a little guy named Sam. <laughs> he writes, Dear Casey. Um, okay. <laughs> That's pretty good. That is pretty good. Another long distance dedication. <laughs> yes. Another. It's a letter from Sam B. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Uh, this question is. 
how can psychotherapy define proper functioning functioning when we have or supposed to have a radical faith that asks us to welcome strangers, mm. turn the other cheek, love <laughs> enemies, share resources. These things would not be defined as proper functioning or healthy boundaries. How can we faithfully witness to uh, the physicality of the radical kingdom life and radically healed and healthy mind? So the heart of this question, as I understand it, is... That's a yes, great question, yeah, as, by the way. As therapists and as even pastoral staff, we talk a lot about being healthy and self-care and mm -hmm. healthy boundaries. And yet on the other side, we talk about this radical faith that's sacrificial, that's hard, mm -hmm. that means doing things for other people that yeah. sometimes mm -hmm. isn't in a neat little box. Right. How does all this fit together? Yeah. 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 I think that's a brilliant, beautiful question it that is. needs to be answered. Okay. So since I'm asking it first, yes. I, I have some thoughts. Can I ask you guys your, your initial thoughts, unless you want to pass on it? I'll respond to that. I'm not sure I got a good answer. Okay. Um, I think this is the great tension that exists for um, balancing this idea of um, what it is to live in the world mm. um, and know that it's broken, know that I'm, I'm, I have my flaws, know that I, it, it's a good self-awareness, um, and then see it as an invitation I see the invitation to love my enemy. I see the invitation of, um, you know, turning the other cheek, not responding like I, I want to at times and, and learning how to love people that are just really hard to love. That's, you know, um, there, it, I, I see this as, um, a growing spiritual maturity within me over years and years of, um, of being able to identify the um, the flaws that I have in myself. So part of this is I see myself as I really am and know that I can't do it perfectly. So mm -hmm. I, I accept my limitations on being able to do it well or being even mm. being able to do it at all at times. Mm -hmm. And there are times when I'm, I can do it and really do it well. Yeah. And there are times when I really uh, am awful at it. I sometimes have a hard time, you know, it, there's moments when um, I have a hard time loving my own wife or my own kids because they just pushed every possible button. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm now enraged or I'm now in a place where, um, and it's so identifying the fact that I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to do it really imperfectly. Mm. And I'm going to do it in such a way that, um, I'm aware of, uh, my calling to, you know, reach out to the marginalized. I'm aware of my need to help those in need, but also aware that if I have to take care of my own personhood in order to draw on something within me to help somebody else, yeah. otherwise I'm doing it to validate something in me. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's that's I, a lot of rambling. I'm no, sure no, I, no. I think because I it's funny because I think you and I kind of are built. 180 of each other in this my balance is much more self-care mm. um mm -hmm. which i've never been really great at i and part of that was just instilled in me from the moment i left the womb was <laughs> it's you know the way that you um exemplify jesus is you always put yourself last right right so yeah, was, we definitely got that message right yeah mm -hmm. so um so there was obviously the now the unwinding from that and understanding that self-care is 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 vital and that i'm yeah. i'm my best when i am doing 
when I'm taking care of myself as well. Um, so my wrestle is kind of the other. Like I've, I tend to, I'll, I'll sacrifice time at times with my wife or my kids to go run off to help somebody that I don't really even know that well. And right. so now what I've tried to do is set consistent, healthy boundary that that everybody around me, you know. Yeah. knows fairly well and then if there's a circumstance that calls something beyond that i'm willing to, to always do that but trying to live within healthier self-care boundaries well great. there you go now you're sitting with two people that do it the exact opposite <laughs> which but yeah. i think it's just kind of how we're wired though yeah. and i that's a part of the beauty of it yeah. i think too it is yeah i don't mind helping people it's just you know well, I I don't I'm not saying that. Kid. Yeah, don't yeah, hear yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean that. I'm just no, saying like we kind of we kind of yeah. come from it from right. the opposite sides. Yeah. I'm I'm much more calculated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are great. And and I love the fact that they're the two tensions. Yeah. And that's actually my answer, which is, <laughs> you know, we use this word on the Sunday service was uh, dialectical thinking. Mm -hmm. So the word dialectical comes it's a philosophical word, mm -hmm. which means to hold two opposing ideas in tension with each other. You know, so the idea of, for example, are people uh, selfish, self-centered, and awful and rotten? Yes. <laughs> are people hundred percent, hundred percent, and I know those people. <laughs> are people beautiful and wonderful and amazing? Yes. Yes, yes I, I know. Am. I know those people oh, too. Oh yeah, and they're the same people. Yes, so they right. are. That's, right. that's the yeah. problem. Right, and that's the truth. Is yeah. that that's so dialectical thinking doesn't get too polarized and what i would say is you guys represented the two tensions here mm -hmm. and that for me is the balance is that we don't have to choose between this boundaryless um life where we're completely self-sacrificing where we've lost ourselves in it where right. we're getting shredded mm -hmm. going through the meat grinder or just all the walls are up and we right. self-protective right. and we don't sacrifice anything and so, you know, I, I, to make this a little bit as a personal example, I've done my job for 32 years and I love my job, mm -hmm. but the reason I love my job is because of this way of thinking, which is when I am doing my job, I am on point. I want to bring my a game. Yeah. I want to care for them. Yeah. But then there has to be a boundary where I'm not thinking about it, fretting about yeah, it right. in my head about it because I'm seeing six, seven, eight people a day, every day, five days a week, most days. Yeah. And lots of people who've had traumatic experiences or who's struggling mightily with depression or OCD, like we talked about in the last podcast. Or that's why like you that. take a nap in the afternoon. I do take a nap in the afternoon. <laughs> and that's it, you know, yeah, I, 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 I take a- Self-care. I, I take a, a 15 minute nap in the afternoon as self-care. I have boundaries about when I mm -hmm. am on and not on. And that's not, um, a failure to care, right? It's, yeah. it, I, I've known, and this is the truth, I've known many therapists who have just gotten shredded sure. and their career has lasted three years, four years, five years, yeah. and then they go sell insurance, which is a fine thing to yeah. do, but it's not therapy because right. they are just shredded. Burned out. Pastors and, do the same thing. And, and, and they exactly. Sell, and they sell insurance. And th that's right. Yeah. They go sell cars or insurance or something that doesn't wear them out. Right. And, and they make more money. <laughs> oh, that wait, is true. wait, wait, I yeah. just say that. Oh, I'm sorry. That's true. Yeah. And, and those are fine things to do. But yeah. my point is that it comes from a place of just burnout. That's... And so I'm no good to anybody 
as in terms of my job if I don't have right. these boundaries. Yes. In in my field, the term that I love is called boundaried generosity and kindness. I love that because I'm writing that down. Right. Boundaried. <laughs> that's that's what I there aspire to. I want to yes. aspire to boundaried generosity and kindness yes. toward other people in my work and in my life. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would my conclusion to this is I think to live a radical faith requires more of this rather than less of this. I think it requires better sense of boundaries, better sense of limits, better self-care Yes, as a way of kind of being in the muckety muck of it. Yeah. What I've, what I've learned over the the years is you can't, can't help everybody. Right. Jesus didn't heal everybody. Jesus, there's that scene at the pool and there's one guy on a mat and he's trying to get into the bubbly water and there's people all around this, this pool trying to get into the water. Jesus walks by all of them and heals this one guy. Yeah. And then hmm. that's the story we hear. Right. So we don't hear the dozens of other stories. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, so one of the things that I heard over the years, and this, this comes from Andy Stanley, which if, I probably should, I, I'm just giving him credit. And good, but, th- good thinker. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and a helpful saying. He's, yeah. He said, "Do for the one what you wish you could do for everybody." Yeah, mm. good. Um, do for one person what you wish you could do for everybody, and that has kind of helped me manage my boundary. My boundary is well, this person is going to be really time consuming. I yeah. can do for one, but I can't do for everybody, yeah. and that's been helpful for me. Yeah, so. I've got one more that yeah, let's I, do it. I want to hit. hit. I think we can hit it. Yep. All right. So I like this question too. Um, so the um, the question is, can we speak to the best way to walk through this whole world of mental health and mental health diagnosis with a young tween? And I'll broaden that up from tween up through high school or even young adulthood, without them over identifying with it mm. or leading with it or making it their identity. Mm. So let me that's let me a, lead off on that one and you guys can sure. it's a very good question because this kind of cuts both ways this generation gen z is the generation most open to destigmatizing mental health mm-hmm. talking about mental health issues yep. um seeking out help and support being open to therapy that's all really good stuff mm-hmm. the downside of it is I would say twofold. One is that they're self-diagnosing, usually from TikTok. Yeah, that's as a social media. Yeah, and and we are getting as therapists, kids come in the door that are diagnosing themselves as having dissociative disorders and other major wow. things. Yeah, that they from TikTok. From TikTok, I have that when I sit with people at times. Oh boy. Yeah, it's like I've got dissociative disorder. I've got it. it you know, there's a long list of the things that are kind of buzzing around social media. Hmm. And again, I'm not saying that all of them are wrong, mm-hmm. but right. there's a big problem with it's it's like we talked about before, the abnormal psychology class. You're in abnormal psychology class, somebody talks about social anxiety <laughs> and you're like, "Yeah, sometimes I overthink it yeah. before I'm in a conversation and I get anxious about what people I have social anxiety." So, mm-hmm. well, probably not. And so they're they're overdiagnosing like crazy. Yeah. yeah. Or, or or self-diagnosing. <laughs> so, yeah. That's the better way to say it. Okay. And they're also identifying it in a way that's not healthy. And here's what I mean. Okay. It's kind of like the presentation is I am, um, you know, uh, I am dissociating and that's kind of like I've affiliated with similar people 
and that's kind of how we connect and that's how we sort of talk about ourselves uh-huh. or whatever the oh, thing might right. be. So it's their group identity right. too. Right. So yeah, okay. Think about the problem with that is that if you pull away the diagnosis, you pull away the group identity yeah. and yeah. the group affiliation yeah. and the sense of self. Yeah. That's really problematic because the whole point of a diagnosis is not to go like, oh, there you go, the end. And now go be with a bunch of people that have the same problem. Right. Yeah. It's more about like, how, what's the path forward? Now, yeah. I'm going to make a little distinction. There are some things, and I would say in mental health, that are um, what I am, and there are others that are what I have or do. Yeah. And that's probably an important distinction. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if sure. someone's on the autism spectrum, yeah. I actually would want them to identify. Yeah. With that yeah. Because yeah. then they can find a community, yeah. they can understand themselves. It's okay for them to identify that right. because that's going to be who they are, or a, a, let's put it this way, a big piece of who they are. Is that something that pr- is never going to change it about never who they change. are, right? It's right. a constant. They might manage it like crazy. Right. And, you know, I've got a close family friend that he's living in his own apartment now. He's the <laughs> same age as my o- uh, oldest kid who, when he was a child, you could not have fathomed that. Wow. Wow. And he's living independently, holding a job. Amazing. So he's managed it really well, yeah. but he's still on the spectrum. Right. So for things like that, and that would include things like autism, maybe to a lesser degree, ADHD, maybe similar bipolar illness, things that are going to be right. just chronic conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's okay to say, this is how I see myself, or this is a component of identity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But there are a lot of other things that right now kids are identifying as identifying with their anxiety, identifying with their anxiety disorder, identifying yep. with their depression. Oof. I'd say that's really problematic. Yeah. So before I talk about what to do about it, any any thoughts from you guys about that or what you've experienced? Yeah. Well, just kind of just to echo what you were saying, Dave, I, I've, I've, I experienced that often, probably not as much as, as a therapist or a counselor would, but mm-hmm. where people come in and, and they already have an idea of what, of what it is and they might be right they know? might be but yeah obviously that that's then when i would uh move them to a pr- the professional you know to help diagnose that but yeah i think once we start coupling identity in with um things like that like depression, like anxiety or depression and what do you then then losing that becomes losing part of yourself that's my initial response yeah, to that. That's right. Yeah. And so that would make it would seem it would make um the effort to keep it would be working against there there's a lot of secondary and primary gain from well from keeping it. I was going to just ask this question that like cuz there obviously I like knowing what you have and or what you wrestle mm-hmm. with like that and identifying that is key and the fact that like you said Gen Z this generation is very open to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but does it stumble to the other side, which is more now it's more a, Everybody's a got celebration of yes, this that, rather that, than I sh- this is something to continue. I think that's the danger zone yeah. that we're in yeah, now I is agree. that it's, right. it's become not only destigmatized, but maybe glamorized. That's right. In fact, yep. one of the therapists in my um, office has run a group called Deglamorizing um, Mental Illness. Wow. And it's, it's that they plug it into groups when they find the group is talking about this in this sort of glamorized way. Wow. And that's not something that we had right. 10 years ago. Right. Right. So it, it is definitely, we're trending into that territory. Wow. And so to answer the question, I'd say 
The first thing is, obviously, this is easy to say sitting here on a podcast, hard to do, but the more you can engage in healthy conversation where you're validating and you're listening and you're hearing, but the messages within that that I would kind of want to hit would be one is it's really not a healthy thing to use a health condition as your primary identity, right? whether it's a physical health or a mental health condition as being like, this is my primary identity. Yeah. And the second is when you identify with it. So let's say you identify with, you know, my anxiety disorder, mm -hmm. obviously you're affiliating with people that are similar and exactly what Kevin said, it makes it harder for you to resolve it because now it's part of your identity. It's part of who you connect with. It makes it tougher. And so that leads to the third point, which is the point of any kind of diagnosis is to understand it so that you can make it better. Right. 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 Even conditions that are going to be with you for your whole life. Let's say we know someone's, if someone's bipolar and that might be a chronic condition, there are still things that make that better and manage it. Right. right. I have clients that have lived for years with bipolar illness and are not experiencing manic episodes or mm -hmm. depressive episodes because they know how to manage it. Right. So a diagnosis is not just this sort of celebration or I found my identity. It's really a path to what can make this better. Right. And then learning how to do that and then owning more of that stuff. Right. So those are the conversations I would like to have. Every kid's different. Um, yeah. Every kid responds differently to that kind of feedback. I'm very mm -hmm. aware of that, but yeah. that's, that would be how I would think about this. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, I, yeah, never gave that a thought until you just read that question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's that it, people it, would identify. It didn't used to be a thing. It's a their, thing now. With their diagnosis yeah, in such yeah. a way that they'd want to celebrate it. Yeah. Well, okay. Early in my career, that was never a thing. Yeah. No. Mm -mm. Well, we've got more questions and we got more things going on, but we've taken 45 minutes of your day and we, yeah. We really want to thank you for joining us. If you think this would help anybody, please pass it along. And welcome to another. Uh, have a great day. <laughs> See you guys later. <laughs> Journey is still on my mind. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Journey on My Mind, a podcast brought to you by Journey Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. If you have any questions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. You can email Kevin at kevin at journeytn.com or text us at 615 861-9503. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date with our latest episodes and join us as we continue to explore the intersection of science and faith.